Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Oh, Yo, what's good? What's up? 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 This is the 40 Ounce Fridays podcast. This is episode 23, and I am your boy, Kyle Hiccup Ruiz. Hope you guys are having a good Friday. Hope you guys have been having a good week. All that fun stuff, all that jazz. And let's get to it. Let's get started. Um, I didn't really have a topic planned up for this week. Just kind of... I don't know. Might be that kind of shoot the shit thing. Um, but, uh... I was gonna talk about Pokemon Shield. Because as of last night, I've beaten the main story. And I'm playing through, uh, this whole bit of endgame content. I don't know how long it's going to be, or how much of it it is. But I am currently on some endgame content. So I'm almost done done with the game. I probably... This probably won't be a review until, like, I'm completely finished... With everything you can do, like, probably after this endgame, we'll probably have, I don't know, like, some kind of battle tower house thing, like they kind of been having for the last few gens. So, uh, if that's the case, and if that's it, and da-da-da-da-da, all that stuff, then I'll give a review next week. Um, but, this is, like, a more little in-depth kind of thing, talking about Sword and, Sh- or Sword and Shield, mainly Shield, because I have Shield, but, um, you know, same game, slight differences. But, uh... Yeah, I just wanted to talk about it because I've been playing it, you know, all throughout this week. I've been playing it as heavily as Dragon Quest, but just Dragon Quest is heavily fucking addictive. Um, And, you know, you gotta grind through a little more. Pokemon, you know, it's the standard Pokemon thing. So these are just, you know, some more, like, thoughts and opinions and stuff on Sword and Shield. uh, Because last week I gave, like, you know, the first impressions only because I had only played a couple of hours in. But now, since I've beaten the main story, I can give you a little more information, and like I said, next week, I'll probably have everything done done, in terms of, like, story content and whatever endgame content is available. So, uh, we, uh, then I'll just have a review set up. It'll probably be a shorter little segment, too, since I've already talked about it enough. But, um, to the game. So, one thing I want to say about this game, um, I like it, uh... This isn't a review, but as of right now, it's overall going to get a pretty positive rating for me. Um, In terms of, like, recommendations, if you're a fan of Pokemon games, if you've always been a fan of Pokemon games, you'll more than likely like this game. I'm not going to say you will, guarantee, just because I know there are Pokemon fans out here who don't like this game. And that's fine, that's your opinion, and you have the right to it. I'm just saying, most Pokemon fans are probably going to like it. This is, uh, I think they said it's the highest-selling launch title from the Switch. It's not the highest-selling title. 
I don't think it would happen that fast. But in terms of like launch sales, like those early sales, it is the fastest selling and highest selling one out of everything, including Smash Ultimate. It beat out Smash Ultimate. I think it sold. I don't. I don't actually remember the number, but I, I was seeing a bunch of different articles report on this. A bunch of different sites report on this yesterday. So you know, people people were hating on the game. People were going to boycott, and I'm sure people did still. But it looks like the people that were boycotting and were hating were kind of like a vocal minority. So they kind of seemed bigger than they actually were. Because I'm sure there's people who, like, talk shit about the game before it came out and still got the game. Because either, one, they were going to hate play it, or two, even though they already kind of had this negative view of the game, they were still willing to play it and see how they felt about it. So, but it looks like overall the game sold really well. Um, I don't know as of now, but as of last night when I checked the, the eShop, or the other night when I checked the eShop, uh, Sword was number one selling title on the eShop, and Shield was number two. And the dual pack was at number seven, number nine. So, yeah, they're 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 making a big bucks currently in these past, like, what, like, week? It's been a week. It's been about a, it's been a week since uh, Sword and Shield came out. So, yeah, some people are like, wow, you already beat the game in a week. I'm just like, first, pe- first off, for people saying this game is, like, short, I'm like, what... Pokemon game hasn't been short. I remember since, like, I, like, kind of grew in the, like, puberty they were playing Pokemon games. Like, in high school especially, if I was playing a Pokemon game. I would blow past that bitch real quick in about a week. Pokemon games' main storylines have never really been that long. Honestly, they haven't. And, I mean, some people... Hours may vary because it depends on what you do in the game what you're level grinding for in the game. But relatively, Pokemon games are short. They're like 40-hour games. That's what they've always been about. The story's always been like that 40-hour playthrough to just have a story mode, have fun, collect Pokemon, see the region, explore, all that good stuff. And then the main thing after has been like whatever endgame content they have available and then getting teams set up for competitive play, especially in those later games, especially like in like a fourth gen and beyond, I feel like, or 5th Gen and Beyond even, 4th, 5th Gen and Beyond, like, a lot of people started more, put a lot more time into uh, competitive, not that people weren't playing competitive in, like, 3rd Gen, but I feel like about 4th, 5th Gen is when, like, that really started to blow up, like, 1st Gen and 2nd Gen, I feel like we were too young to really get it at first, 3rd Gen, it was getting there, and then 4th Gen, it was on, like, oh, wow, because 4th Gen was the first game on the DS as well, if I'm not mistaken, so... You know, that just made things easier because there were devices in the GBA, the Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Advance SP era, where uh, you could wirelessly, like, battle and trade, but you still had to buy an accessory. With a DS, it had, like, a wireless communication you could link up to, so you didn't need link cables. That was the first gen where you officially did not need any link cable of any kind. To battle or trade somebody. You just needed the game and you needed a DS. So that made things a lot easier because you didn't have to buy all these separate accessories. So I feel like that's what really helped trading and battling. And I don't think they had a global trade network yet. Did they in 4th Gen? I don't think they could in 4th Gen. I think it was 5th Gen that became a thing. I don't I don't remember all the way. Just because that, that was a while back. And as of like Gen 6, 7, and 8... It's been, like, no issue 
being able to trade with people around the world, especially 6-Gen. 6-Gen revolutionized that. But I get off topic. I'm talking about 7-Gen. Or Jenny, uh, Sword and Shield. Um, Jenny, uh, story mode, general Pokemon game. It's what you expect from a Pokemon game. I will say that the story... What I, 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 I guess I'll try not to give too, too much away, but expect spoilers throughout this, this episode of the podcast. So if you don't want to be spoiled, if you haven't finished the game yet, da-da-da-da-da, I'd say just skip this episode until you have, but because I, I'll probably be spoiling some stuff. Uh, I'm, it's not my intention to, but it just might be able to be easier to explain where I'm getting at and where I'm coming from if I, uh tell some little details like that okay so um main thing with the story i want to say i like the story definitely just as much as i like it well i want to say just as much as i like any other pokemon story i i can rank the eight story modes of pokemon and tell you my favorite and my least favorite and all that stuff this story mode um i'm not gonna do an exact one to eight ranking in terms of all the gen story modes but this one is definitely in the upper four uh, I will say that. You know what? It's it's probably like exactly four. It's like the bottom of the top half. I feel like it's better than a few other story modes we've had in some games. So, and I feel like it could have been a lot higher for several different reasons. Um, I think the game overall could have been better if they dedicated a year worth of time to it. I'm not saying the game is bad. By no means is it bad. It's really fun. It's a really good time, and it's a solid game. But yeah, it could have definitely been better. And I feel like it wouldn't have been a be- people would have waited an extra year for this game if it meant that things would be improved. And because I'll get into other stuff later. Like like I said, I like this game. I really really like this game. There are things that definitely could have been done better, executed better, planned better, looked a little better, things of that nature, and I'll get into that. But in terms of the story, I feel like they had a lot of great ideas and a lot of great, like, plot points with not only, like, the main plot, and you know what? The, like, the main, like, plot, like, that big finale kind of plot deal that we get in the Pokemon games involving the legendaries or the evil team or da-da-da-da-da, this and that, um... I feel like the those points weren't as important as like a lot of the character individual character plot points that we saw. I feel like that's why I really like kind of like the journey of this game because even though I think it could have been a lot more fleshed out, I like the fact that the game tried to take the time to make you uh int- feel intrigued and actually feel for these other characters besides your player character. You're, you know, on an adventure to become the champion, you're working your way up. But you're also doing it alongside, you know, your rival Hop and this other rude dude, Bede, and uh, this mysterious girl, Marnie, and then Sonya's doing her own research thing. And all these people actually, like, develop as people. And it's, 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 it's nice to see. Like, Hop, Marnie, Bede, and Sonya actually have, like, character development, and they do a pretty good job at it. Like I said, the one thing this story would have definitely benefited from was more time to flesh the story out. And that's going to be the main, I think, issue with this game, is the fact that if they taken even, like, another year to work this stuff out, it could have it could have definitely been a much better experience than what it was. Not a bad experience by no, by any means, in my personal opinion, 
But you can see where taking some extra time to work on this would have benefited. Why they didn't do that, I don't know. Was Game Freak that was forcing them? Game Freak itself, they were just like, no, we're just going to get it out. Was it Nintendo rushing them to get it out? I don't know what it was, but I feel like taking the time to work on this more would have been better. Because, but, at the same time, these characters do have these plot points where they develop. Like, Hop's arc, I'm currently, like, in the endgame, and Hop's still kind of going through this character arc for himself. Where when you meet Hop, he's like, he, Hop is a friendly rival, um, but he's not, like, too friendly, I want to say. Like, he's, he's a friendly dude, but he's heavy competitive. He's not, like, as late, he's not laid back like Hal was, or, uh fucking annoyingly nice, like, what's his name, I fucking hate Barry, Barry's from Gen 4, right, I hate Barry, he's, Barry was too nice, that was, that, and that was the start of the friendly rival thing, well, I mean, technically May was in Gen 3, but I wouldn't even really consider May a rival, you know what I mean, she's more, May was more of like, just kind of like this other person you knew, at least in the original Gen 3. And, like, the, the remakes, they, they they do, uh, well, May or what's what's the male character's name if you pick uh, to play as a female character? Is it Brendan or something like that? You know what I mean? Like, the Gen 3 person that's supposed to be, like, your rival isn't really your rival. They're kind of just, like, this friendly dude. I wouldn't even, like, consider them a friendly rival. They're just someone you know. And it's Gen 4 that really, like push that friendly rival thing on everybody, and then black and white gave you two rivals, which I think was a good idea, black and white, honestly looking back on black and white, black and white, black and white is still like, kind of like, Unova is one of my least favorite regions, but story-wise, I feel like Unova is definitely up there in terms of plot, like black and white and black and white 2 has one of the better plots in a Pokemon game, um, but, but but they did a good job with the whole rival idea in Black and White 1 where, yeah, one rival who was kind of more competitive and went through this arc of, like, oh, he's failing. That's what I would compare Hop to. I forget the dude's name. He becomes the, the, the first gym leader in Black and White 2. I forget his name. But he's, like, more of a competitive rival. He's not, like, super mean, but, like, he kind of goes through this arc of, like, tired of failure, and it looks like he might fall into, like, kind of like an evil thing, but he doesn't. Hop, kind of more comparable with that, but then you have Bianca, who is uh, more of like the friendly rival, the one who wasn't super tough or competitive, really, and she ends up becoming like a little research assistant thing and doing her own thing in Black and White 2, so I thought that was cool, I thought that was interesting that they did that. Gen 6, you had like, what, four people traveling, four, four people you adventured along with, and I'd only consider Serena your rival, and... Serena was, like, bringing back to form the idea of a more competitive rival, but in Gen... I'm talking about the game, not the show. Serena is a completely different character in the anime. She's also a much better character. <laughs> anime Serena is better than game Serena, because while I, while I don't find her, like, completely, like, flat or boring, she definitely lacked a lot. There was much to be desired from Serena in-game, and though they were bringing back that... It seemed like they were bringing back that whole idea of, like, a more competitive rival. 
Serena wasn't like super interesting. She was just kind of like, I'm going to battle and be the best. I'm going to battle and be the best. I'm going to battle and be the best. But why? Why did she want to do that? What was her overall goal? She was kind of there to be like, I'm a rival because I'm a rival. She didn't really have a purpose. Like with, with Gary from Gen 1, you had that kind of character who, uh, I guess it was going to be a Pokemon themed podcast because I'm really getting into it today. Um, you had Gary, who was that kind of character, who was, like, this real big, like, show-off. Show he liked to gloat and flex. He was cocky, overconfident. He was the Pokemon professor's grandson. Like, you know, he felt like he was destined for that greatness. Like, he felt like he, he was entitled to it. And he's extremely talented. So, when you beat him, it knocks him down a few pegs. And it kind of humbles him. Because when you see him in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, like Red and Blue, like he he still has that attitude, but he's definitely more chilled out. I'd say he's more laxed than he than he used to be, and it's cool to see like adult Blue like that. And then I think Red, Blue, and Green make an appearance in the Let's Go games. I haven't played the Let's Go games. I want to because I want the Gigantamax EV now. But um. Yeah, they, they make appearances, like, in that, I guess in that world, the events of, uh, Red and Blue, like, the Pokemon games Red and Blue, I guess, have already occurred, and and I'm assuming the events of Pokemon Yellow have occurred, too. It would have been cool if Yellow was in the game as well. That would have been dope. I don't think, I don't think she is. I don't think Yellow is. I don't know, I haven't played the Let's Go games. But, um, yeah, I, I believe the events of Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee are supposed to take place after Red and Blue, or, like, it's a retelling of the first gen, and Red, Blue, and Green have already gone off on an adventure, and, like, just different stuff happened, rather than the stuff that happens in Red and Blue originally. But, yeah, you have that, and Blue seems, like, a bit more mature in that. From what I've seen from, like, videos going over Let's Go, he seems a bit more mature than that. Then you have Silver, who had his whole arc, and then, you know, Silver is the son of Giovanni, so, that was something cool, and he was super competitive. Um, you had third gen, like I said, you had Brendan slash May, um, and they were, what was I going to say? I wouldn't even consider them friendly rivals, they were just kind of like fellow Pokemon trainers. Gen 4 is when we got Barry, oh god, he was so insufferable, like, I, you guys don't understand how much I hate Barry, <laughs> like... He's so annoying in the show and in the games. He's so, like, you know how when you're, like, traveling and you see, like, oh, fuck, here comes your rival. We're going to have a battle. It would be so annoying with Barry because it would be, like, the worst possible times with Barry. Like, you'd, you'd see him on a bridge and you're like, no, this is not what I need right now. Ugh. Like, he was that irritating to me. And then in black and white, you had uh, your two rivals. Black and white, two, you're a different character. That was a more competitive rival, right? I don't remember Black and White 2 as much, as clearly as I do Black and White 1. Because I feel like I, I played Black and White 1 more than I did, uh, than I did, what's it called, Black and White 2. I played Black and White 1 a lot more than I did Black and White 2. And I think I just mainly beat Black and White 2 and then played a little bit of the stuff after and then kind of did nothing else. But Black and White 2 is good, but I digress. Like, I think that rival is a lot more competitive. He just... And they were looked like they were going back in that right direction of a more competitive rival. And then you got Serena slash 
whatever the guy's name is in Gen 6. I don't know. When your rival is um just the opposite gender player character in those kind of games, like in uh, Gen 3 and Gen 6, when it's just the opposite gender of your player character, I tend to forget the the name of the male because I'm usually playing as the male, so my rival is automatically the, the female player character. So I don't know his name, like his canonical name in the series. But yeah, like those characters, it looked like they wanted to be competitive. They just didn't have, they, again, there was no motivation. And then you get to Gen 7, and then you get Hal. And I don't hate Hal, but Hal is like, I feel like Hal is friendly rival done right. And people can disagree with me, but I mean in a sense of like, I didn't find Hal annoying. I found Hal to be a cool dude. Like, Barry annoyed the shit out of me, and he was a friendly rival. But, um, Hal I found to be just, like, this cool, chilled, layback dude. He's like, come on, man, we're gonna travel, we're gonna have a good time. And then Hal kind of has a character arc in Sun and Moon and Ultra Sun and Moon, where, uh, he, um, doesn't go all out. He, he, like, it's shown and said that he could do better in Pokemon battles, but he's not taking them seriously because of such and such reasons. And then eventually he he finds the the will and courage in himself to like stop acting that way and like kind of toughen up and take things more seriously. But there's not much of a like a huge arc in that character throughout the game to lead to that. It's like enough to lead to that, but I feel like if he was fleshed out more it would have been better. Like with um why am I forgetting Lily. Like with Lily. Lily goes from, like, coward to being way more confident in herself. And regardless of how you feel about Lily, you can hate Lily and think Lily is annoying and this and that. You can't say Lily didn't have character development. She had a lot of character development in Sun and Moon slash Ultra Sun and Moon. She had a ton. And, and Gladion changes as a character. I say Gladion changes a little more than Hop, just because since Aether Paradise and his mom and all that shit and Lily are more involved with the story, Gladion by default in association gets a little more development because he has to be more heavily involved than Hal. But I feel like they could have taken more time with Hal. And I feel like Hop is like a mix between the that one rival I was talking about. I can't, I don't know why I can't remember his name. Was it Sharon? Was it Sharon? I think it might have been Sharon. From from black and white, the the more competitive dude, the boy rival, because Bianca was the the girl rival. You had your player character, the boy rival, and the girl rival. So um, he's a mix between Charon and How, I would say, where he's like friendly and competitive, and kind of has this arc of uh, dealing with his failure, even though he's trying really hard. And that's that's the thing with Hop. Hop is like the younger brother of the champion. He loves his brother, looks up to Leon. Uh, seems all has seen all his battles, has seen all his strategy styles. He tries really hard to competitive battle. He does have the talent, but he's overthinking a lot of things. He's either overthinking or he's not thinking at all. And that's Hop's like he jumps right into things. He has this confidence, and it's good for him to have confidence in the way he carries himself. But it oftentimes leads him to being very cocky and very egotistical, and. He's not rude, but he he does have that kind of air about him where he kind of needs to be humbled. And he does get humbled. 
And that's what I like about the character. I, I was like, he's going to get humbled and he's going to have to come up from it. And that's kind of what happens. Like, he, he gets humbled by Bede, he loses to Bede, and he kind of loses a lot of confidence in himself. Mainly because he feels like he's dragging Leon's name through the mud. Since he's Leon's younger brother, he needs to do better or else he makes Leon look bad. And he doesn't want to make Leon look bad. So at first, that's his motivation. And he's looking for a reason to do better. And he does get better. And even though you still beat him... He has more confidence in himself to be a better battler. And then in Endgame, when you're the champion, you battle him again at the start of the little Endgame portion. And you beat him again, he's like, I didn't realize the gap between us was so big. And then Sonya shows up, and Sonya's the new Pokemon professor now. Which is why Mag- Professor Magnolia wasn't as involved in the story as other professors usually are. But Sonya was, because Sonya was her unofficial assistant but when, and that's Sonya's whole development throughout the story. Sonya, uh, her grandma's always nagging her to, you know, do something with her life. And she wants to make her grandma proud, do this. She also kind of feels like lost, like everyone's doing stuff. She kind of feels like Hop. But then she, she gets, uh, that motivation and she's actually intrigued by all the legends and myths of the Sword and Shield legendaries in the Darkest Day. And through that research and her findings and her travels, she gains that confidence to become the Pokemon new Pokemon professor. Magnolia gives her blessing to pass on that that title to her, and I guess Magno, Professor Magnolia retires. So that's why Magnolia, Professor Magnolia isn't as involved in the story. Because early in the game, I was like, "Man, Magnolia, you saw her like one fucking time, but you see Sonya a whole hell of a lot." That's because Sonya was being built up to become that professor. We watched Sonya become the Pokemon professor of that region, rather than being introduced to her as the professor, which I thought was cool as fuck. So I think Hop just needs to find his reason, or like his meaning, or an end goal for himself. Because he sees that you're the champion, like you, you, his rival, beat his older brother and became champion. Something he wanted to do and was his main goal and dream. And then... Leon and Sonya used to be rivals back in their younger years, too, like your player character in Hop. And now he sees Leon's one of Leon's old rivals become the Pokemon professor. And he's just like, wow, look at that. And then he's just like, I'm just here. So he's still going through some kind of arc or turmoil with himself where now he's just like, okay, well, I need to find my place in this world and this reasoning. He needs to find a, a goal for himself because he's... This goal that he originally had isn't as tangible as he thought it was. And, I mean, like, in a sense, like, his goal was just, like, I'm gonna do the same thing as my brother and be better than my brother. And I feel like that's more of, like, something he felt like he had to do rather than something that he wanted to do. So I think with Hop's character, he's gonna have to find a want rather than a need. And that may sound a little too deep for a Pokemon game. And I think I'm going a little deeper than the Pokemon game Shield does. But that's only because this is just me analyzing Hop's character. And like I said, with like maybe like another year worth of development time, like this is one of the aspects that could have been better. The story and the character development. Hop develops, and I haven't finished the endgame yet, so I don't know where what it's gonna lead to for Hop. But Hop's an interesting dude. He actually has development and growth. He gets he's nice, he's friendly, but he's cop he's uh confident, but he's also cocky. And he might take things a little too far. He gets humbled. He hits a low. He realizes that he needs to rise up from that low. 
but now it's kind of hard for him, and he's struggling to find a purpose for himself now at this point in the game. So I was like, wow, good shit on you, Pokemon Game Freak, because this is actually an interesting character who has ups and downs, highs and lows, and needs to find something for himself. And so I hope it ends up going well for Hop. I really do. And then you have um, Marnie and uh, Beat. Um, Marnie and Bead, I wish, had a little bit more to them. I feel like Hop... I feel like in terms of, like, development between these characters that you meet, Hop has the most, then it's Sonya, then it's Bead, then it's Marnie. And they all develop, but I wish Bead and Marnie had a little more. Bead, you, you know, he's like... Bead is like the cocky asshole rival. He's the... He's that classic, like, <laughs> screw you. I'm the best. I'm better than you. You low-level wimps. And he makes excuses for his L's. Um, and throughout his whole story, like, uh, he's, Beat is an orphan. So, uh, I guess Chairman Rose visited him when he was younger in the orphanage one day. And then he gets endorsed by Chairman Rose later. That's why he has this sense of, this air of overconfidence and ego to him. Um, and why he's an asshole. He's like, I'm the elite of the elite. This and that. Uh, he's collecting the little wishing star things for Chairman Rose. For Chairman Rose's little shady plot. And But B doesn't know why he's collecting wishing stars. He's just doing it because Chairman Rose believed in him. And so he feels indebted to Chairman Rose. And that makes sense for B's character because B is an orphan. So uh, he, he he wanted someone to look up to and someone to praise him. So he has this air of just like, I'm better than you because of all those aspects. And it because he wants to be better. Because, because you know, when you come from that low, you, you need something to feel good about. So when you beat him several times and he kind of takes things too far, he gets tossed to the wayside. He's disqualified from the trainer challenge by Chairman Rose himself. Um, but later, the fairy-type gym leader, Opal, she's, she's really old. She's like in her like late 80s. She's been gym leader of that fairy gym for, like, 70 years, and she's looking for a successor. So her her whole gym challenge for, like, the longest, like, even since back when Leon and Sonya were taking the gym challenge, you can find little notes, a little notebook in the gym talking about Leon and Sonya's performance at her gym. She's She's been looking for a successor. So the way her gym is, you answer, you do battles against, like, trainers in the gym, but she asks you questions in between. And she's evaluating your character. So regardless of how good or how bad you do, she's not going to pick you. you even if you do fantastic and answer every question correctly, um, you, uh, what was I going to say? She's, she'll praise you for doing that and that you have a lot of talent and have a good chance of becoming champion and doing good. But she's, you're not the right fit for her gym. And then you run into Bead, and you're talking. He was going to try to talk Chairman Rose into letting him back in the gym challenge. Opal sees him, and she's like, that boy is perfect. So you don't see Bead again until later, because she kind of scoops Bead up and starts training him and mentoring him into replacing her as the gym leader for the, the fairy gym, which I thought was cool, because look at that. Bead, had, Bead now gained another mentor, even though it was someone he really wasn't intending to be mentored by, but their personalities kind of mesh really well. So it worked out in Bead's favor. And then later during, like, the finals, like, the Champions Cup of the game, because there there isn't an Elite Four, instead it's, like, a tournament, 
I'll, I'll get into that when we get there. I kind of like this idea. I kind of prefer it over the Elite Four. I wish there was still an Elite Four in it, because that could have been a cool little endgame challenge. Uh, but I like the way they did the league this time, so to speak, in terms of the finals. Mm-hmm. But, uh, what was it again? Oh, wait. I did an email. Oh, it's from Chase. <laughs> I was trying to see if it was something important. I'm waiting for a package. Um, where was I getting at? But yeah, you see Bede later, and he finishes, or almost done with his training. But pretty much by the end game, uh, Bede becomes the new fairy type gym leader. So Bede replaces Opal as gym leader, so Opal retires. But she still visits the gym every day, kind of, you know, being nosy, controlling, like, still teaching Bede her ways. But I was like, good for him. He has a little arc. He's a little more humble than laid back. He's still a really cocky asshole. He's like, I don't need your help, this and that. But um, he's more open to people in terms of talking to them. And he doesn't seem to look down on them as much. So he's slowly growing from that point into de- in development. My th- Which is good, which is great. My thing with Bede is um, I just wish we had more. Like, it's the same thing with Hop. We just needed more. Like, the story just needs to be flushed out more. I would have loved to see more of, like, the relationship between Chairman Rose and Bede, or the relationship that Bede perceived he had with Chairman Rose, because that would have made the scene where Chairman Rose disqualifies him from the gym challenge much more uh, impactful of a scene. It would have been like, wow, that was Bede's everything. Like, that was everything to him, and it just got taken away in an instant by the person that gave it to them, by the person that he looked up to the most, essentially. Like, that was the only person I saw B talk to respectfully. Like, ever. Throughout the game was Chairman Rose. So, like, even Opal, he has, like, an attitude with Opal. So, that's, it's just one of those things. Um, but yeah, I wish there was more. And then Song, or Marnie, I really like Marnie. And it, it, again, it just goes down, I wish there was more. Marnie, like, all the... I like these characters. Like, honest to God, like, real talk. I like Hop. I like Sonya. I like Marnie. Bede grew on me by the end of the game. I hated Bede throughout the game, but you're supposed to. And then when he starts getting trained by Opal and then comes back, I start to like him a lot more and at least respect him a lot more. I like these characters a lot, and I find them fun and interesting, and they're very refreshing to see in a game like... It's very refreshing to see a number of major players in a Pokemon game, but not only that, because we've had that before, not only see kind of like a bigger cast of characters in a Pokemon game throughout, but also see them grow and change. Like, that's something we haven't seen, like, a Pokemon game with, like, several other characters that you see often, often, often throughout the game where all of them develop and grow. Like, you might have that, but only maybe, like, one or two of them are to develop, or you'll just have one major person, which you like your rival, that develops. This is the first time they've done it with multiple people and have executed it, I say, in a fairly good manner. Like I said, definitely could be better. I would, I, I crave more of it. Like, I crave more of that development and character growth and learning more about these people. But that's because I like them. So they, they, they definitely took a step in the right direction with this thing because I, I want to know more about them. So with Marnie, Marnie, um, she's very mysterious throughout the game. And that's a good thing and a bad thing because it's a part of her whole little story arc. You're not really supposed to know much until 
the point where you learn everything. But also it's a bad thing because you don't see her a lot throughout the game, like, at all. You see her, like, a handful of times. You interact with her a handful of times. And I wish it would have benefited. They could have had her keep secrets and be, like, that strong, silent type of uh, character and still had her have more screen time in the game. But Marnie comes from, uh, I think the town is called Spike Spikemuth. It's, it's where the seventh gym is. But it's kind of like this rundown punk city. They don't have, like, a power spot, so they can't, like, Dynamax their Pokemon there. But the gym leader, uh, Pyres, he doesn't like Dynamaxing anyway, so he doesn't prefer it. But they're, they don't get a lot of, like, tourists coming or attractions, so... Marnie wants... And Pyres doesn't seem to have a lot of motivation to do that at the moment. He just kind of plays his shows, all a little punk show up. Like, it's a really punk, punk rock-looking town. I, that's what I like about it. So, uh, Marnie wants to take the gym challenge and then eventually become champion... Because she feels like that'll give Spike Muff some uh, more respect and more like publicity and popularity. Because it's like, oh, it's that girl Marnie. She's the little sister of Pyres from that gym. She's the champion and this and that. So it draw more attention to Spike Muff and kind of bring it up in some glory. Essentially, that's her whole like character arc and goal. And Team Yell isn't actually a villain team. They're 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 her like fan club, but they're also people like just people from Spike Month in disguise as like this kind of like villainous team that causes trouble. And they were sabotaging other people taking the gym challenge to give Marnie a better shot at winning because they knew about her overall goal. And Marnie didn't want them to do that. She wanted she wants to she of course wants to win, but she wants to win fair and square. She doesn't want to hinder others to to succeed that's that's not what she wants she wants to win it fairly she wants to prove herself so that's cool for that's like a cool little character arc for her and like i said there just should have been more like team yellow is interesting because they're not bad guys like period at all it's not and it's not like a thing with team skull where team skull was like team skull and gen 7 they were bad guys but they weren't the bad guys aether paradise was were the group of the bad guys, you know what I mean? Like, Guzma was working under them. And then Guzma eventually changes over. Because Guzma's not a complete jerk. He's just kind of like this misguided dude that was younger that ends up leading this gang of other misguided youths. But with uh, Team Yell, they're not bad guys at all. They were just trying to help Marnie any way they could. So I thought that was an interesting little arc for her character. And, like, all these people are different. And they all have different goals they all have different reasons to become champion. Bede was doing it for himself because he wanted to prove himself to be, you know, the best of the best. He wanted to prove himself to Chairman Rose, the person he looked up to. And that all stemmed from him, you know, kind of being alone. Hop wanted to be champion because he wanted to follow in his brother's footsteps, footsteps who he adores. And he kind of falls into, like, this low after, you know, being discouraged. But his whole arc is finding it within himself to do better and find his own meaning. Sonya was looking for her own meaning, looking to impress her grandma. And then she ends up enjoying what she's doing, not just because her grandma wants her to do it, but because she wants to do it. So it, Hop and her kind of parallel. So that's what I think Hop's going to end up doing. Not becoming like a professor, but that end goal thing of like having a want rather than a need, like, like, are finding something you want to do rather than what you think you need to do. 
And he might find that in battling still, but this time instead of feeling like he needs to do it because his older brother is champion, he'll want to do it because he wants to do it. And then you have Marnie, who's wants to be champion for her for her town's sake. So they're all interesting. They're all interesting people. Um, would have fleshed out. Uh, another thing that would have that the game would have benefited from for more time is the wild area. Don't get me wrong, I like the wild area. Excuse me. Sorry. Sitting up. <laughs> I was drinking coffee, I got burpy. Um, but what the wild... The wild area is, is pretty big enough. Uh, it has, like, two little halves, so you have kind of, like, that first half, and then later game, you're allowed to explore the second half with more higher-level Pokemon. Currently, I'm in Endgame, and I don't know if this is just due to, like, events happening throughout the day. Because every day, the wild area will have different conditions. Like, an area might be, like, storming with, like, a blizzard. It might be raining in another area. It might be a sandstorm in one area or foggy. And it kind of rotates around throughout the wild area. So you'll see different Pokemon and encounter different things, depending. But, um, as of Endgame, I've been running into, like, base form Pokemon. Like, I ran into a fucking Rog and Rolla in a Bumblebee last night. And they were both level 60. And I was just like, yo, what the fuck? So I don't know if that's just something specific going on in the, the overworld. The wild area is ever-changing on a daily basis. That's that's one thing in terms of, like, environmental... In terms of weather conditions. Like, the environment doesn't look any different. Which is something they could do. Like, updates and events where, like, maybe something happens and it changes the way the wild area looks permanently until, like, the next thing comes and changes it again... That'd be something interesting. But, like, weather conditions on a daily basis are, are neat. So I don't know if it's something because of that or it's just because I'm in Endgame now. But, like, base form Pokemon. Like, we're level 60. And when I caught the Rock and Rolla, it was holding an Everstone. So that's why I didn't evolve. So I'm just like, what the fuck? That's kind of neat. That, like... So I'm assuming, like, most of the... I haven't encountered... I only encountered two Pokemon because I was kind of avoiding them because I was, uh... I was looking for a certain... TR. Uh, TRs, for those who haven't been playing Sword and Shield, stands for Technical Record. And Pokemon Sword and Shield, there are TMs, Technical Machines, which we've all known and loved since Gen 1, which, uh, which still function the same exact way that they always have since Gen 5, where as of Gen 5, uh, you could use a TM over and over and over and over and over again without having to use it up. You, could use, you had unlimited uses with your TM essentially. For uh, the younger kids who haven't played a Pokemon game before Gen 5, TMs were only usable one time, and then you had to buy them again, or find them again, or whatever you had to do. So you, you had to be careful with the TMs out there, kiddos. Um, but And then we also had HMs, and HMs stopped being a thing after, as of Gen 7, right? HMs are... Because HMs were a thing in Gen 8, or I mean Gen 6, right? Right. They were a thing in Gen 6. They weren't a thing in Gen 7 because of the the ride pager. So for those young, young kids listening to this, I don't know if you are or not, who haven't played a Pokemon, whose first Pokemon game was Sun and Moon, um, there's these things called HMs, Hidden Machines, which gave you moves that uh, allowed you to interact with the overworld, like if you wanted to surf... Instead of having a ride pager with a Pokemon that popped up that automatically did it for you, you had to have a Pokemon on your team, know the move Surf, and then you could use Surf to ride on it on the water. 
the thing with HMs is you couldn't take them, you couldn't erase them off your Pokemon's move list by normal means. Like, if they wanted to learn a new move, you couldn't get rid of the HM. If you wanted to teach them a TM, you couldn't get rid of the HM. The only way to get rid of an HM is to go to the move deleter, who would delete it for you, personally. So, it, was, it wasn't bad, but you have to find the move deleter first in the game, and then, like, every time you needed to delete a move, you'd have to fly over to him. Not big deal. But, I don't mind HMs not being a thing anymore. I really don't. Because they're not in Gen 8 either. But, um, technical records are kind of like a throwback to the way TMs used to work, which I kind of like. Because TMs look like CDs. They look like computer discs. Technical records look like records. Like, they're vintage. They're old school. So, they can only be used one time, and then they break. You can buy multiples of TRs or buy multiples of TRs, but TRs break after one use. So, I think that was their whole intent. It was like an homage to, like, the old school way TMs used to be. So I thought that was neat. But yeah, you can find TRs, TMs, da-da-da-da-da. So I don't know if, like, other Pokemon in the overworld of the wild area currently are going to be all level 60, or depending on, like, which stage they're in. Like, maybe, like, base form Pokemon are level 60, and then, like, second stage Pokemon are 70. <laughs> Fully evolved Pokemon would be, like, level 80 or not. That'd be kind of neat. I'd kind of be, like, terrified and pumped for it, because that would give the wild area a bit more challenge as you go out to catch Pokemon, because that's going to be the next overall goal. I only have, like, 46 Pokemon. And my goal is never to catch them all in a Pokemon game. It just never has been. It's been to explore, discover, do all that fun shit. But I'm like, why not? The wild area is fun. I might as well just go around catching shit. It's cool. But, um, no, the wild area is interesting because of all those things. And then, like I said, you can buy TRs in the wild area. Because there'll be these guys, uh, you get these things called Watts. And the way you get Watts, they're like a special little currency within the wild area, essentially. Um, I said essentially twice in that same sentence, huh? But you, you get the point. And the way you get Watts, uh, when you go to, like, you Pokemon dens where you can do the max raid battles. You guys know about the max raid battles you've seen from the trailers. You've seen the trailers for Sword and Moon. Uh, dens will be glowing. If you go up to a den while it's glowing, regardless of if there's a raid Pokemon in it or not, if the den is just glowing, you can get watts off of it. If there's no raid Pokemon in the den, you'll get like 50 watts, but now as of endgame, from dens that are glowing without a raid Pokemon in them, you get 200 watts. And then before post-game, when you go into a den with a raid Pokemon in it, you got 300 watts. Now you get 2,000. Again, I don't know if this is a post-game thing, or if this is some special event going on for the day in Sword and Shield's uh, wild area, but I haven't seen this stuff until Endgame, so that's what I'm assuming it is. So yeah, you can get Watts, or like Pokemon in the wild area, or just in the overworld in general. That's another thing. Pokemon are always in the overworld in this game. The only time they're not is like maybe like the rare encounter of whatever area you're in, you'll see, like, a bush shuffle, and it'll either run towards you or run away from you, and maybe you'll get a rare encounter that you don't usually see. But other than that, like, the Pokemon in an area, like, let's say Wooloo, Pikachu, and Eevee are in an area. You'll see them running around in the overhead of the area. They'll be in the grass, though. And depending on your level, they'll either run at you to be like, yeah, let's throw down, or if you're too high level, they'll try to run away from you because they're scared. 
So it's like some of those RPGs with overworld, like like Dragon Quest. That's how Dragon Quest is. Um, depending on your level, they'll either run away from you, run at you, or just kind of stand there and look at you. <laughs> so, so that's how it works now, which I like. I prefer. It makes ducking and dodging in, in caves a little easier. And, you know, sometimes you'll, like, walk into one of them because they'll pop up, or you won't see, like, a Pokemon kind of hiding in the cut, ready to, like, jump you. But but it's cool. I like the way that looks. It, it's nice. Because we didn't know if they were going to have Pokemon in the overworld like they did Let's Go, because I know Let's Go did that. So I'm kind of glad they did that. The one thing I wish they did that Let's Go did was have, like, your Pokemon first in your party follow you around. I would have I would have loved that. I missed that. I, I would have loved to see my Cinderace follow me around. But I'm getting off topic. So, yeah, you can you can encounter stuff in the wild area, like certain different breeds of Pokemon. And the cool part about the wild area is um, before you even get to the first gym, you have to cross through the wild area to, like, apply for the gym challenge and do the opening ceremony and then you start the gym challenge. But you can go through the wild area, like, the little first portion of it, pretty early in game so that gives you as a player and as a pokemon trainer access to a lot of different pokemon to build up an ideal team or just a good ideal starting team for yourself before you even start the gym challenge so you can have a good variety of pokemon before even the first gym and you're not really limited to like whatever is on what such and such route before the first gym because the wild area offers a big variety of pokemon and it might vary depending on weather conditions. So, boom, there's that, which is which is cool. So, that's an added feature. Um, you know, one of the negatives still is the dex cut, of course, because um, they cut over 500 Pokemon. And I believe, like, you can find a lot of these Pokemon within the code of the game still. Like, there's, there's a video going around of somebody, like, who hacked into the game and had Bulbasaur in the game to catch in a route. And it... It didn't look like somebody modded it into the game. It looked like somebody hacked the code and put it... It just let it be available in the overworld. So there... It's possible. So hashtag Game Freak did lie. But that's... <laughs> that's a different controversy entirely. That's a different topic that we might get into on a later date. But, uh... Yeah, um... Wilder is unique. But I missed a... Di- I do miss a lot of Pokemon. I would have loved to have Ampharos. Um... Ampharos and Wooloo teamed up. I, I would have a good time with that. And Wooloo can learn Wild Charge. I looked it up. I don't have the TR for it yet. I want to get it. Wooloo can learn Wild Charge. What the fuck? <laughs> what the absolute fuck? I need it. I need it. I need it so bad. Look, Wooloo Wooloo with, with Fluffy. <laughs> Wooloo with the ability Fluffy. A nature that probably raises its, like, defense. Cotton Guard holding a Rocky helmet just doing physical attacks. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you little bastard. Like, I, or Double, too. The Evolve Form Double. Like, it's... It, Wooloo, Wooloo is, like, a thick boy physical tank. Like, Wooloo can take some damage, especially if you got Fluffy. You just gotta worry about them fire types. But you might not even have to worry about fire types... If you have Cotton Guard, the only thing that you would have to worry about at that point is, like, special attackers. And its special defense is, is decent. But, um, it's more of a physical defender, physical attacker kind of Pokemon. Fun Pokemon, dude. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, also, graphically, the only, like, major 
weirdness I got in terms of graphics wasn't from like going town to town, city to city, the routes, uh, cutscenes, Pokemon Battle. Like, all that stuff, like the graphics looked fine. The only time I ran into stuff where I was just like, mm, that could have looked a little better was stuff in the wild area. Like, there are a few little textures that could have been better, a little graphically thin, like, I could see little kind of, like, pixels in certain things and whatnot, but I think that's just because of the sheer size of the wild area and the fact that it's, like, not only 3D, like, the game's in 3D, of course, but, like, you can turn the camera around full 360 and look at different angles and stuff. I just feel like the way it was built, they didn't, with the time limitations of the game, it was... Something that they should have had more time to put into to look a little better. But that's stuff that could be fixed with updates. They could have updates for the game that make the wild area look a lot better graphically. But it's not too bad. It's nothing too, like, game frustrating. Like, I know there are, like, videos of people showing footage of the wild area and stuff before the game came out. And they're like, look at this. This looks awful. I want to tell you right now, I've spent a lot of time in the wild area. I've never run into anything looking that bad as I've seen in the videos. Like, I've seen some stuff that was just like, eh, a little, could look a little better, a little, a little ugly for like two seconds. But, um, nothing as bad as what I've seen from videos, so I don't know what's up with that either. Like, and I don't think there was like a day one patch for Shield. I don't think there was for Sword and Shield. And so maybe their version was just an older thing or they got like, got, like, a hacked, like, download something to play it early. I don't know. But, like, I was, like, from what I saw from videos before the game's release, it looked worse than what I actually played. Like I said, I don't know if, I don't think there was a day one patch, but I was, like, hmm, I don't know about all that, Chief. Uh, frame rate drops? No. The only time I've heard people talk about frame rate drops is if they're in the wild area and they're connected to the, to the internet, and, like, you know, in the wild area, when you're connected to the internet, you can see, like, other trainers run through the wild area, it's kind of like this little, kind of sub-open-worldy thing, because you can do raid battles with other people, like, real people from around the world, I don't have the Nintendo Switch, uh, internet service, so I never ran into those, so I can't do it, but I heard when it's stuff like that, there'll be, like, occasional frame rate drops, but, again, hopefully that's something I work on in patch, and I think that's more, like, an issue with Nintendo's Wi-Fi, or Nintendo's, not Nintendo's Wi-Fi, Nintendo's uh, online service, because I believe people are still having issues playing Smash Online too. So, yeah, there's some lag and some frame drops with that certain situation. Other than that, I haven't had any frame drops. I haven't had any frame drops, any lag with the game, period. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't mean there's any frame drops or lag offline, period. Like, there's other people that could have experienced that. I, myself, personally have not a single time. So, take it, that's just from me. So, take that advice or that bit of news as you will. Uh, but, yeah, like, the the constant theme of this game is, like, if they had another year, it could have been better. But the game is still pretty fucking solid. And that's just aspects of the wild area. Same thing with the animations. What I will say with the animations is a lot of people are like, they're the same animations or they're worse animations for, like, Pokemon moves. It's, like, partially true that a lot of these animations kind of are, like, either the same thing as, like, the 3DS games 
or just kind of like new animations, but they're not like super detailed. Very true, very true. But there also are a lot of animations that are brand fucking new that look great, that I think look better than old animations. Um, the animation for Shadow, like, I'm not going to give every fucking move that looks different and great in terms of animation an example, because first of all, I don't think I've seen every Pokemon move in the game. And also, that's a lot of shit to go over. But, like, a few things, like, one move that stands out for me that looks great in this in this game is Shadow Ball. I really like the way Shadow Ball looks in this game. Instead of just looking like this black mass that's rounded that they shoot at you, it looks like all, like, it's like see-through. It's, like, transparent but dark and wavy, and it grows bigger and bigger as it zooms in on the target. It, like, slowly looms in on the target and grows larger and larger, and it's like this wavy ball of, like, dark plasma ghosty, and it looks cool. It looks really dope. Um, the signature moves for, uh... Cinderace, what's it called, Rillaboom, and Inteleon all look great. They all have signature attacks, and they're all really cutscene-y. Like, they, they, they're their own special little cutscene-y things. Like, I, I've only seen Rillabooms and uh, Inteleons, like, once or twice, just because I don't have those Pokemon. But I've seen, like, videos. I've looked them up on YouTube to see, like, what they look like. Because I was curious. And they look really cool, but I've seen Cinderaces a lot because that's my starter. And I also, I love Cinderace. Let me just uh, tangent right here and say, I don't give a fuck how any of you feel about Cinderace's design, okay? For me, in my opinion, Cinderace is my favorite of the three, hands down. And it's not because it's a fire type, and it's not because it's a bunny. It's just, personally, my favorite design of the three starters fully evolved. I like Cinderace. Some people say it looks too simple. Some people say it looks, you know, silly, this and that. And that's fine. I feel like the cool thing about Pokemon is, especially since there's so many with the sheer number, it allows everyone to have different opinions of different Pokemon and have different favorites and different designs and different teams. That's the point. Like, we don't all have to like the same fucking Pokemon. Um, but... Personally, for me, I like Cinderace a lot, and Cinderace is a great fucking Pokemon, dude. It is a great Pokemon. Holy shit, it's so good. So it, it's all about the speed and the physical attack, and HP is pretty decent. Its special attack is not worth noting. Its special defense is AI, but it's definitely a fast little physical attacker. It's a pure fire type. And somebody, the one thing that, like, I will defend in terms of, I won't really defend its design too heavily, I'm just like, if you don't like it, you don't like it, but I like it. Um, one thing I will defend about its design is somebody was talking shit about its hands. They're like, yeah, stupid little hands, this is dead, arms look dumb, I'm like, it's a fucking rabbit. It has little rabbit hands, what do you, <laughs> like, what is it supposed to have? It has little bunny hands because Cinderace focuses on kicks, it has uh, big ass feet, it's a, it's a rabbit. That, it just, it made sense for its design, in my personal opinion. But, um, Cinderace's signature move is awesome. I can't give too many details about Rillabooms and, uh, Inteleons, just because I've only seen them. I don't know exactly what they do, but I know what Cinderace's does, and that's why I like it. Cinderace's is called Pyro Ball. It's a fire-type move, of, duh, um, and pretty much the description of it is... He takes a pebble and lights it on fire and turns it into like a big ass fireball and then he does and then he kicks it at the enemy. So I thought he was just gonna kick a fireball at the enemy. 
but I wasn't expecting like it to. I wasn't expecting it to be as cinematic as it was for a signature move. So he takes a pebble and he starts, you know, dribble it and like kick it around with his feet like a soccer ball, and then it lights on fire. And he's like doing all these cool little tricks with it, and then he just fucking smacks, kicks it right at the enemy. Does 120 base physical damage with 90 accuracy. And has the chance to burn the target if they live. Um, so that move is fucking incredible, okay? And that's his signature That's his signature move. Um, he also learns bounce at level 46. So I was like, yo, that's dope. So right now my Cinder Ace knows Pyro Ball, Blaze Kick, which I taught him through TR... Uh, Zen Headbutt, which I taught him through TR, and Bounce. So, all those moves don't have 100 accuracy. Like, I believe Pyro Ball, Blaze Kick, and uh, Zen Headbutt all have 90 accuracy, and then Bounce has 85. So I was occasionally, not often missing, but I was occasionally missing because those moves don't have perfect accuracy. But uh, Cinderace currently is holding a wide lens. Ever since I equipped the wide lens to Cinderace, it has never missed. Um, unless the, the opponent, like, lowered its accuracy somehow, like, directly. But other than that, like, with the wide lens equipped, it has never missed an attack since then. So I'm just like, yo, I'm rocking this, I'm rocking with this moveset right now. I really like Cinderace. It's, it's a great Pokemon. I love its energy. He's, he's my, he's definitely, hands down, my favorite Pokemon out of Galar. I will say that. And, I, I, I... Now that I've seen Inteleon and, like, seen, like, what its, like, Pokemon species description is, I understand Inteleon a little more as design. It's supposed to be, like, a spy. It's supposed to be, like, a little secret agent, because I think it's called, like, the secret agent Pokemon or detective or spy Pokemon or something like that. And it's the only special attacker of this starter trio, because Rillaboom is also a physical attacker. I think it's just, I think it's, like, bulkier, but slower than Cinderace. But, um, Inteleon's a special attacker, and it's, it's, I forget what its special move is called, but it's, like, he points his, he can, like, produce, like, water from his little hands, like, liquid, and, like, shoot it, like, bullets. So, like, his special move is, like, a little sniper shot that he shoots, kind of like a spirit gun-looking thing. And then I believe its hidden ability is sniper, so, that's what it's supposed to be. Um, I still think its design could have been a little better, but, like, knowing that it's supposed to be like a secret agent or a spy pokemon looking at its design again after knowing that it makes a lot more sense to me i'm not gonna say oh the design is fine now i i feel like i definitely still think the design could be better but now that i get that was my issue with it it was like the design was kind of weird for it and i was like what the fuck is inteleon supposed to be like cinderace is clearly supposed to be a soccer player like, and then Rillaboom is, he eventually was playing drums, which is, Rillaboom came out exactly how everyone predicted, and I really like Rillaboom's design as well. Like, if I had to put them in the order of, like, Final Evolution designs, Cinderace, Rillaboom, and Teleon, and I don't hate Inteleon anymore, I kind of, like, I'm okay with it now, it's whatever to me. Um, but yeah, Rillaboom, he's a big-ass gorilla, and he has two big-ass sticks and, like, a tree stump he uses as a drum. But he can, like, when he, his special move, pretty much he beats on, like, the tree stump drum, and the roots, like, go underground and pop up in front of the opponent Pokemon and attack it. It's a physical move, but that's, that's what it does. Like, his drum beats, like, expand the nature around it, which is cool. And I forget what 
I forget what its hidden ability was, because I was looking up the abilities. Cinderace's hidden ability is pretty much like what Protean is to Great Ninja. You know how every time a Great Ninja used a move, its typing would become the same as the the move type it used? So that's what Cinder... It's just not called Protean. It's called something else. But um, that's what Cinderace's hidden ability is, which is fucking cool. Which made more sense when I was looking at its moves, because looking up moves it can learn. Because it can learn Electro Ball and, like, Shadow Ball and stuff. But I'm like, I wouldn't really teach it those. I get why you can learn those moves, because they're balls and he's a soccer player. But I wouldn't really teach it those moves, because it's not a special attacker. But at least I could understand now you would have coverage and you could get stabbed with it due to its hidden ability. So that that makes more sense to me. But I didn't get its hidden ability for my, my initial starter. I got uh, the regular thing. I got... What's it called? Like, Blaze? The one that boosts the power of Fire-type moves when your HP is low, so. Whatever, whatever, but I love it. Um, I got really off-tangent, but real quick, my team, by the end of the game, it's the team I rocked with for pretty much most of For pretty much, no, the team I rocked with for the whole game. Uh, I caught, I, I got Score Bunny as my starter, so it's a Cinderace. Um, I caught Rookity, which fully evolved form is Corviknight, the Steel Flying type. Really like that. I caught Wulu, because the moment I saw Wulu in the trailers, I was like, I need to cop a Wulu. It evolves one time, but it evolves into Dubwool, who is literally the fucking GOAT. Love Dubwool. I got a Nicket. It's a little fox, and it's a dark-type Pokemon, and it's a little thief. It evolves once, and it evolves into Thievil, who is a big old fox with a little mask and a mustache and little boots, black boots, and... The one thing that, the only thing that really annoys me about Thievil, Thievil is a thief. It's a fox. It's a little foxy thing, and it has a map. That's the whole thing. That's the whole theme. It's a thief. When it evolves, it learns Thief, which is a physical dark move. Thievil learns a shit ton of physical attacks. Thievil is a special attacker. (laughs) I shit you not, I looked up its uh, base stats. it's, It's not even like... Oh, its special attack is a little better than its physical attack. It's like a good chunk better. Like, its physical physical attack is like, maybe like, if you fucking wing it, just about average. But it's a special attacker. But it barely learns any special attack moves. And it annoyed me because I was like, why would you do this? Even its Pokemon description talks about it using like, its claws to attack. Uh, It learns Thief at level up, which is a special, which is a physical attack. And, uh, Nicket has, like, a move called Beat Up, and I think it's specific to, to Nicket, or it's just, like, one of the moves, main moves Nicket learns, which is a physical attack. So I'm just like, why is this a special attacker? This doesn't, it was just weird to me. I was like, Game Freak, what the fuck? It was just weird to me. But other than that, like, I mean, if you want a solid move set for Nicket, you're gonna have to give it TMs and TRs. I have, uh... Dark Pulse, Shadow Ball, Grass Knot, and Snarl as its moveset currently. Uh, but I got them all through TMs and TRs and shit. Um, I got the bug type, like the early bug type, which is called Blip Bug. And it looks really weird. And it evolves into this thing called Doodle, which is the cocoon stage. The thing about this is, usually you know how bug types don't take super long to evolve. Like, their evolutionary line is fast, like they're usually fully evolved, but like no later than level 20. Um, Blipbug evolves into Doodle at level 10, or Doddle, or whatever. Uh, Doddle doesn't fully evolve into what's called Orbeetle, 
until level 30. So it's just like, yo, this thing took a long... But it makes sense because Orbeetle is pretty powerful. It's a special attacker. And uh, Dottle is also Bug Psychic, but, you know, it doesn't really get crazy lit until it turns into an Orbeetle. And Orbeetle does some chunky physical damage, bro. I... It's a good Pokemon, and it has pretty decent speed, so he's usually going to blitz you fast with some strong special attack moves. Uh, it knows Psychic, Psy Shock, Energy Ball, and uh, Bug Buzz. Those are the moves. It's either learned by... It, Psychic is actually the only move it has left that I taught that it learned by level up. The other moves are like um, TRs, I think, or TMs. But yeah, it's, it's a special attacker, 100%. Um, oh, my Wooloo knows, uh, Cotton Guard, Headbutt, Facade, and, uh, Reversal right now. But I want to change out Reversal, either Reversal or Facade for Wild Charge when I find Wild Charge. I'm keeping Cotton Guard because, holy shit, Cotton Guard drastically increases defense, which means it ups its defense by three stages, and the max you can raise a stat is 6. So 2 Cotton Guards and you're at like the maximum physical defense. Plus if it ha- plus Vine has the ability Fluffle fl- or Fluffy for my double. Which means it takes half damage from all physical moves but double damage from fire. But if it's a physical fire move and I 2 Cotton Guard up, uh, I'll be able to absorb a lot of that damage. So dub- double is bulky, bro. Um, my Corviknight is Flying Steel. It knows Drill Peck, Brave Bird... Iron Head, and, uh, what's the last move I gave it? Just, I gave it a fourth move, a different fourth move, just in case I need a little coverage. I believe it's, uh, Revenge. Yeah, it does, you know, a fighting move that does the double damage if the person attacked before it. Um, and then, I said, I said, uh, Cinderace's moveset already, Corviknight, Dubwool, Orbeetle, Nicket. And then the last Pokemon I got was one of the fossils. I won't get too deep in the fossils because I'm almost finished up with the podcast right now. I didn't believe I was going to talk about Pokemon so fucking long, but I did. Um, but uh, I got one of the fossils. Maybe I'll talk about it another time, the way the fossils work. But pretty much the idea of the fossils is based off of uh, back in the day with uh, finding dinosaur fossils. They didn't really have the technology or the know-how to like piece the proper fossils together to form the exact skeleton of the dinosaur. So they would just take whatever fossils from wherever and like piece them together and be like, this is must this must have been the dinosaur, but it could be parts from completely different dinosaurs to make whatever. And that's what these fossil Pokemon are pretty much based off the idea. They're like abominations. So pretty much in, there's four different fossil types, I believe. Uh, there's dragon fish, bird, and there's another one, I can't, and dinosaur, it's dragonfish, bird, and dinosaur, those are the four different types of fossils, you only get two types in sword and two types in shield, so in shield, I only get the fish fossil and the dragon fossil, so that means in sword, you only get the uh, bird fossil and the dinosaur fossil, so without trading, finding, uh, trading fossils over, you can only make one of these fossil Pokemon. So I can only make Dracovish. And then in Sword, without the other two fossils, you can only make, what was it? Dinosaur and Bird? I think it's called... I think it's called Arcazolt. 
is what uh, that one's called for the base form of that. But um, pretty much there's a, a route right before a town where uh, this crazy scientist has this machine that will restore fossils. But she has no problem just mixing these fucking fossils together. So I have, like, a Draco fossil and a fish fossil. And she'll put it in her thing, and she's like, voila, here's the Pokemon that used to walk the Earth. And it's, like, this fucking abomination. It, it's hideous. Dra- Dracovish is a water dragon type, and honestly, yes, it's fucking hideous. It is an abomination. But I needed a six member. Dracovish is actually pretty fun to use. I wouldn't say it's the best Pokemon, but it's pretty fun to use. It has the ability Strong Jaw. It's a physical attacker, so all its biting moves are increased in power. It learns a lot of moves that can flinch the opponent. <laughs> and I have it holding a King's Rock. So he was out there going ape shit on him. And Dracovish honestly grew on me. All those Pokemon, all the fossil Pokemon this generation are all fucking abominations. But the thing about it is, they're supposed to be. So, good on Game Freak for making that. Like, a lot of, like, the Pokemon in this gen, like, the designs and the concepts for them are really fucking good. I've heard people say, like, this is probably the ugliest generation of Pokemon we have. I have to fucking wholeheartedly disagree. In my personal opinion, this is one of the best generations of Pokemon we've ever had. Like, these Pokemon designs, I fucking dig. Like, I I really do. I really, 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 really like them. Um... Like, like I said, Cinderace is my favorite Pokemon in the region. That's my nigga. Um, I love Corviknight's whole line, Orbeetle's whole line, the Double line, Thievil line. Like I said, I don't love the fossils, but I don't hate them either. Like, I, I respect the the concept idea for them. Um, the little Hatterene, the little psychic fairy that doesn't like to be fucking bothered. I love that line. That evolutionary line's cool. Roly Coley, a whole evolution line, I fucking adore. The only reason why I didn't put it on my team was because it is rock fire or ground fire or something like that. And I already had score bunny, so I didn't want two fire types. That was the only reason why I didn't get a slot on the team. This is the only reason why. Or else it would have been on there. Um, I re- and it gives me, like, mad uh, rock and roller vibes. Just because it's this weird little rock type. And I love and I love the final evolutions for both. Like, Gigalith is one of my... Gigalith is my favorite Gen 5 Pokemon. And uh, Colossal is cool. Like, I love Roly Coley's evolutionary line. Like, I, if there's a, and then the Galarian forms are really cool. Like, we, we saw the Galarian Zigzagoon and Lyoon, and I think Obstagoon looks really cool because it's Gene Simmons. Um, Galarian Mr. Mime is as scary as regular Mr. Mime. <laughs> uh, so is Mr. Rhyme. Mr. Rhyme kind of creeps me out low-key, too. But I like the concept how it's supposed to be, like, this, like, uh, comedian kind of Pokemon. It's, it, it's like Charlie Chaplin. So, so I was just like, oh, that's neat. That's neat how they did that. And it's like Ice Psychic. Uh, even Stunkfist got a Galarian form. So even that weird, stupid Pokemon Stunkfist got some love. And it's supposed to be like a bear trap. I forget what type it is. But yeah, it's like a bear. It's like a trap kind of thing. You'll see it in a cave and you'll see something that kind of looks like a Pokeball. And if you're not paying too much attention, it's like, ah, it's a Stunkfist. So I was like, okay, they found some kind of use for that. Uh, Galarian Ponyta is adorable. And everyone's like, how is it not fairy type? Galarian Rapidash is fairy psychic. So, boom, there you go. Um, the only criticism I've heard from people about Galarian Rapidash, especially from uh, one of my friends the other day, he was saying uh, it looks too different from Rapidash. 
he feels like, like, it should have been a different evolution. And that's something I can actually agree with. Like, it does look kind of look too, too different from regular Rapidash, where they could have just kind of made it its own Pokemon, like a branch evolution. Uh, so that's something I can agree with, but other than that, but he, he, he said it looked cool, he liked the design, he just wished it wasn't Rapidash. He wished it was a new Pokemon entirely, which is something I can agree with. I, I, I definitely can agree with that. Um, then, 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 uh, Corsola. Galarian Corsola, uh, first of all, I heard Galarian Corsola is actually a beast, and that it's actually better to leave it as just Corsola and not evolve it into Cursola. I do like the whole concept of Corsola and Cursula, though, because it's bleached coral. That's literally what it is. It's a it's a dead Corsola, because it's white, it's a ghost type, it looks really sad. That's what Galarian Corsola is. It's bleached coral. And when it evolves into Cursula, it's like the spirit of Corsola breaks out of that dead, bleached coral shell. And it's like this big, weird coral spirit kind of thing. But it uses, like, the bottom of Corsola's old shell as, like, a base. So it's kind of like a sad evolutionary line when you think... But that's, like, a really interesting and unique concept. Like, that's fucking cool. Like, that's probably, like, one of my... That's my favorite Galar form, definitely, is Galarian Corsola. Because I, I love that concept. I remember when I was looking at the leaks for the Galar decks before the game came out. And I was like, wait. Is Galarian Corsola a ghost type? <laughs> I was like, oh my god, it's bleached coral. Oh. And it's so sad, but it's such a good idea. <laughs> um what is it? Galarian Dunkadona Dunkamaru, the one that evolves into Dormanitan. That one too, the Galarian forms of those. Really neat. I like them. They're like snowman yetis instead of these big gorilla monsters. And the Zen mode for Galarian Dormanitan is neat because it's like it has fire moves and it's like on fire and shit like that. It's like a snowman on fire and it's Zen mode. So I was like, oh, it's cool. And I I wasn't expecting that Zen mode because when I fought uh, Thickums Melanie, who is the best gym leader of all time, uh, if you got Pokemon Sword, I'm sorry, you missed out on the Thick Mama known as Melanie. Also, something cool that I was think I was like, wait. Wait, let me get back to Dermanitan. But I wasn't expecting it. When I was in the town where you fight Melanie, there's, like, this father and son looking at a snowman, and they say something, I'm like, what if there was a snowman Pokemon? And I'd be like, that'd be kind of creepy. And then when I put Darmanitan, when I was fighting Melanie in her gym battle, she had a Galarian Darmanitan, and I hit it really hard, and it went into Zen mode. It was a snowman! And I was like, oh, they were hinting at that! So that was cool. Um, we also got, like, a, our first ice bug type. The little frost moth thing. That thing looks cool and creepy at the same time. But, um, side note to Thick Mama Melanie. Um, for those of you who haven't played Sword or Shield, or for those of you who haven't played Shield, or didn't know, the gems, there's two specific gems that will be different typings depending on what version you get. So if you have Sword, your fourth gem will be, uh, your fourth gym will be fighting type if you have sword, and ghost type if you have shield. And then it's either like the fifth or the sixth gym. I can't remember if the fairy gym was fifth or sixth. But then the other gym, another gym, depending on if you if you have sword, it'll be a rock type gym. And if you have shield, it'll be an ice type gym. 
So, I have S.H.I.E.L.D., so I got Thick Mama Melanie. <laughs> um, why do I keep saying Thick Mama Melanie? Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm just gonna, gonna make the, the photo for this episode a picture of Thick Mama Melanie. <laughs> she, she thick as fuck, bro. <laughs> okay? I was shook. I was shook. I was playing the game, right? And then somebody gave me her lead card before I battled her. And I was like, wow, she's really pretty. She's an older, she's like an older lady. She's not like super old like a Opal is. She's kind of like middle-aged. I'd probably say she's probably in her 40s or some shit like that. But I was like, oh, wow, she's really pretty. And then she came out onto the battlefields when I went to her, when I was finally battling her in the gym. And when I tell you my jaw dropped, I was like, why the fuck is this woman so thick? Like, this is a children's game. This bitch came out thick as fuck. So, uh, Melanie is, uh, one of my favorite gym leaders in the game. <laughs> Not because, not solely for the fact that she's just thick mama Melanie, um, but she was actually, like, the first gym leader to give me a challenge, and one of the only gym leaders to really give me, like, a super ch- serious challenge, besides, uh, Raihan. Raihan's gym was cool as fuck, I, I'll have to say. I'll try to get to that before, uh, I'm done for the day with this podcast, but, uh, back to Melanie. Uh, it's mentioned on our lead card that her and her son kind of had, like, a falling out or a disagreement or, on something, and that's why, uh, she's kind of more, like, serious and, like, aggressive in her Pokemon battling style, even though she's just kind of, like, this nice older mom. Thus, that's why I call her Thick Mama Melanie, because she's thick and she's a mama me- She's, she's a MILF, guys, okay? Melanie is a MILF. <laughs> and I, I adore her, like, also she had Gigantamax Lapras. I fucking love the fact that Lapras got some love. But anywho, I was just like... I looked up who the gym leader in Sword was, since Melody's not in Sword. And the reason why they have these different gym leaders, it's based on the concept that they bring up in game of minor and major league gyms. Pretty much, there are there is a gym for every type, but I guess every year they kind of have like battles for like rankings, and I guess like the top eight gyms are put in the major leagues, and those are the gyms you have to fight against to get badges to eventually compete in the World Cup for the gym challenge. And then the other ten gyms are put in minor leagues. And I was hoping maybe you get to battle the minor league gyms. You don't. Not a big deal, but that's that's the whole idea behind it. So maybe, like, there'll be events where, like, gyms switch up and maybe you can battle different gyms. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But that's, that's the whole concept behind it. And so in Sword, you get the Rock-type gym, which is a... Uh, owned by this dude, Gordy, and Gordy is a young, up-and-coming, rising star kind of guy, and I was like, is Gordy Melanie's son? Because they never tell you who her son is. They, like, mention her, and she briefly mentions him, but they never tell you who Melanie's son is, so I was like, is Gordy Melanie's son? Because also their gems are very similar. Like, it's, I looked, when I was looking it up Gordy, like, I saw a screenshot of, like, his little gym challenge thing, like, his mission on the way to fight him. It's the exact same thing as Melanie's, except it's, like, rocky ground instead of snow and, like, fog and blizzard stuff. So I was like, oh, wow, I wonder if he's just her son. When you beat the game during Endgame, you, you get little league cards, and they're, like, little trading cards, because people take gym challenges very seriously out there. It's, like, a competitive sport. So, like, baseball or basketball trading cards. When you beat the game and you're seeing the gym leaders again, they give you rare league cards, which is, like, 
a league card with like a different picture on it and like different like little info information in their description. And this confirmed it to me fully, a hundred percent, that Gordy is indeed Melanie's son. Her rare league card is a picture of her smiling with her arm around Gordy, and he kind of looks disgruntled. And on the back, it does confirm that Gordy is indeed Melanie's son. So I was like, oh, that's really neat that they did that. I just thought that was a cool little thing. Because I was like, I wonder if Gordy is Melanie's son. He is. Gordy is Melanie's son. So if you play Sword, you play against the son. If you played Shield, you play against the mom. I don't know if B, or is her name B or Bay, the fighting type gym leader in Sword, I don't know if her and Alistair have any sort of relation at all. Or if it is what it is. But I know Melanie and Gordy do, so that's cool. Um, one last thing before I go off. I wanted to talk more about the game, but I'll probably add some more notes when I do, like, a final kind of, like, review thing later. But you guys get the picture. I really like the game. And overall, I'll, it could have been a lot better if more time was put into it. But it is what it is. Hopefully, uh, Game Freak continues to take steps in the right direction in the future of, like, Switch console Pokemon games to do stuff like this and actually flesh more stuff out and actually have a national dex. I still 100% believe we should have a fucking national dex. There's no excuse why there shouldn't be one. Please just do it. Stop playing around. Don't go with this idea in future games. Please don't. Please don't. Add the whole national dex. I, I fully agree we deserve every Pokemon in the Pokemon game. Um, but one last thing I wanted to touch up on Raihan because Raihan... I like Rahan's energy. Raihan is Leon's greatest rival. Raihan's this cool dude. He, he loves taking selfies in the middle of battle. He's he's fun. He's quirky. I like him. And he's probably the most unique gym leader I've ever battled against in any Pokemon game. He's the strongest gym leader. He's the last one you face. First of all, he's the dragon type gym leader. But his whole t- but his not every one of his Pokemon is even dragon type or even dragon related. So he actually has like some kind of competitive battle strategy. In his gym, you do a double battle. Uh, he has four Pokemon, and you so you have two sets of double battles. Uh, his ace is Darulodon, the Steel Dragon. It Gigantamaxes. But not only does he double battle, and not only are not all of his Pokemon dragons, only like two of them are, but also he loves taking advantage of weather conditions. So I'll have Pokemon that'll whip up a sandstorm, or I have Pokemon that'll do sunny day, or make him like he he does strategies that evolve weather conditions, and he and I was like, yo, this is so cool! Like he, it's the closest thing to an NPC feeling like a competitive player, like a real player. It's not exact, but him and Melody are the only two gym leaders to kind of make me like put in more effort and kind of give me a bit of a sweat. So I, I always respect them highly for that. Plus, Thick Mama Melanie is, is thick as fuck. But, uh, anywho, I think we're gonna end the podcast here. I think I had fun rambling on and on about Pokemon Sun and, or, Sun and Moon, Sword and Shield. Um, do I like Pokemon Sword and Shield better than Sun and Moon? As of now, yeah. Yeah, I do. I will say. I don't hate Sun and Moon, but Sun and Moon are definitely some of the weaker games to me in certain story aspects and, like, exploration aspects. Fun time with Sun and Moon for what they were. But, yeah, Sword and Shield definitely is a step up. Could be better. Uh, maybe I'll give a few more details of what could be improved with it next week when I give, like, a final, final review. I might give it a score or something like that. But recommendations, if you're a big Pokemon fan, highly recommend it. If you haven't played Pokemon in a while and are looking for something to play and... Maybe you want, like, a game that's, you know, 
relevant to your memories, but also is different. Sword and Shield, definitely the way to go. Uh, do I recommend Sword or Shield version? I can't really say anything about Sword because I don't have Sword. So just it just depends. Look up the ex- the Pokemon exclusives to like whatever version. And also, I'm trying to sway your opinion, but uh, Thick Mama Melanie is only in Shield. So <laughs> glad I picked up Shield, and I also like the Shield Legendary. Oh, the the Legendaries are cool. Their signature moves are fucking awesomely cinematic. Eternatus, I haven't gotten enough of them yet. I need to learn more about him and use him and shit like that. You you encounter him in the story. He's like the final boss of the main story before Pope's game. Big surprise. But, um... Other than that, that's about it, guys. So I'll see you next week. I'll have a full review for Pokemon, and we'll probably have some other topics. It won't be a Pokemon exclusive podcast next week. I'll probably spend, like, maybe, like, 30 minutes talking about it next week. Just giving my final thoughts and reviews, because I'll be done by then. But... Hopefully you guys enjoy your Friday, you guys enjoy your weekend, and for all my Sword and Shield players out there, I hope you're enjoying Sword and Shield, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye!